Travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to the first big show of Talk Travel Asia. I'm Scott Coates in Kuala Lumpur, and with me is... Trevor Ranges, recording in Bangkok, Thailand. How are you doing tonight, Scott? I'm doing uh, super, Trevor. I'm super pumped. We've been planning this thing for about six months now, and here we are recording the very first show that will be about all things we find interesting about traveling in Asia, probably with a bit of a heavy slant on Southeast Asia. Before we go any further, I got to make sure we thank Jamie Rubin. He's a friend of mine that used to live in Bangkok, lives in Toronto now. He's a professional musician. And the music you hear at the beginning and end and every time is courtesy of Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. You can check out his website. There's links on our site. Also, every time we have an episode, you can catch show notes on our website and it will have links to stuff we've talked about and so forth. So what else can people expect from uh, Talk Travel Asia, Trevor? Well, other than witty banter between you and I, which is one of the reasons we're doing this to stay in touch, but I've been very lucky in both my personal and professional life while traveling around Southeast Asia to meet so many interesting different people. And it's a huge perk in my job that it requires me to meet all sorts of experts and wildlife and muso ethnology and all sorts of different uh, aspects of different culture. Right. So, hmm. and I know that you know very many people across Southeast Asia as well that have all of this interesting information. And we hmm. thought that this would be a great way to, to share those people's insights with others. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I worked in the travel business for many years and we'll get to your guidebook writing a bit, but you and I just love to talk and talk travel and often when we do it we seem to have a beer or a drink or something and uh, we thought why not find a reason to justify having a drink and talking travel and actually do something with it and hopefully share with others so about every two weeks we're going to put a new episode up about half of them will be uh, you and I chatting about some aspect of travel and half of them will feature an interesting character, some connection, somebody we know. Could be a restaurateur, could be an animal expert, could be a guidebook writer and something that they find interesting. So I'm really looking forward to it. In fact, you were the one that probably kind of inspired this thing and brought it up. Yeah, well, uh, when you left Bangkok and, and moved to Malaysia, you did a trip on the Trans-Siberian railway with your father and i was really interested in hearing about right. your explorations and I, I wanted to know in real time and i thought what a cool way uh to, to keep in touch if we could record conversations between us while you were out on the road you know i don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that now how was that trip uh it was pretty fantastic my dad it was on his bucket list i guess and he asked me few years ago now and at first it didn't really wasn't big to me and then I realized you know what this is about your dad and a father and son trip and it was I mean incredible to go all the way across from Moscow across Siberia down through Mongolia across China into Hong Kong and to do it with your dad was great but I remember you know thinking yeah you know maybe you could record a podcast the only thing we would need is either you have to be on the train with me but that aspect of, of doing these on the road is something we're going to really take advantage of. I know you're going to Cambodia in a couple of weeks. 
mics, and you're going to try and get the mic out somewhere and record there. So we definitely like to take the mic on the road and, and share stuff happening in real time. So I was wondering, Trevor, I mean, I kind of know this, but I don't know if I've ever actually asked you, why do you love living in Southeast Asia? Well, I've lived in Bangkok since 2001, and I had done some writing just for fun, but it wasn't until after I moved to Bangkok uh, that I started doing some professional travel writing. First, I worked for mm-hmm. Photos. I wrote about uh, Thailand's beaches and islands and then Laos for, for the Photos yep. guidebooks. And then I worked right. on the Thailand for National Geographic and then Cambodia. But Bangkok is kind of at the center of this region that has so many different cultures, like different types of food, different types of music. And it's not geographically large. You know, Southeast Asia can Mm. fit comfortably inside the United States. So you can be on an airplane for just an hour, an hour and 30 minutes, and you're in a totally different Mm -hmm. country that's, you know, so fascinating and interesting to learn about. Yeah, I mean, I've, I always enjoy that fact, the sheer size is I'm from Canada, you're from the US. And, you know, in Canada, you could fly four or five hours and see the exact same restaurants, people sound the exact same. Whereas, like you said, here, you can get in a plane for an hour, and be in a completely different culture, different language, different food. And, and I mean, that's fascinating. It's fantastic. And it always, you know, I, I look back to the first couple months I was in Thailand, I went for dinner at this very eccentric British man's house. Jeffrey was his name, and he had worked at the palace school in Bangkok for many, many years. And I'd only been there a couple months, and you know, I still couldn't I was trying to get in the Southeast Asia groove and, and wrap my head around it. And I asked him, you know, Jeffrey, why do you stay in Bangkok and why do you like it so much? And he he thought for a little bit and then he said, you know what? Every day I go to my house, I don't know what I'm going to see next. And I couldn't appreciate it at that time. But almost a year ago now, when I was preparing to leave Thailand after 13 years to move to Kuala Lumpur, I remember thinking about all the great experiences and all the things. And I thought back to what Jeffrey said. And it really related to me is that I've done a heck of a lot there. But you know what? At the end of the day, every day I do go out, I often do see something weird and I can almost expect to see it. And that's a, that's a really great aspect of living in, in Thailand and this part of the world in general. Yeah, I totally agree with you on on Bangkok in that regard. And I remember right when you were leaving to go to Malaysia, Mm -hmm. you gave a presentation at the Pecha Kucha. Yeah, yeah. It's a speaking organization, six, seven hundred chapters around the world. People present 20 slides for 20 seconds each. So quick, concise things. Yeah. And you did your presentation on, you know, like a a looking back on Bangkok and and all the crazy things that you still weren't able to wrap your head around just because they're, they're so intriguing. Right, right, right. Yeah. The things like uh, people putting dogs in T-shirts when it gets down to 21 degrees because it's freezing. Right. Yeah, that's a good one. Or wearing or wearing plastic bags on their head when it rains. Yeah, I mean, that, that keeps you dry for at least 30, 40 seconds, you know. Yeah. At least that. So, but you touched on it a little bit earlier, but yeah, I'm predominantly a travel writer. And mm-hmm. uh, this this radio type of thing isn't necessarily my format. So I'm, I'm trying to feel comfortable here. But you have a background in, in radio and broadcasting, Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. I was a DJ at a roller skating rink, of all things, when I was 15 or 16. I didn't start as DJ, though. I worked my way up from skate boy. That's important to note. And then uh, when I was college age, I did radio broadcasting for two years. And later, I went back and did a journalism degree. So I was going to be a TV guy. So uh, this is kind of a fun thing to do. You know, I like I like being on camera. I like being on radio. And here we are. And hopefully, a couple people are listening. So this is fun to do. And I'm sure you'll you'll get into it and fall into your own Trevor. 
Okay, yeah. Um, one of the reasons we're doing this, just so that everyone listening knows, is we want to do a first episode where you could get to know us a little bit. So Scott was just mm. saying that he did his degree in, in Canada. Well, how did you end up in Bangkok? Well, uh it was over a shot of Jägermeister, actually. My business partner had worked for the Royal Family of Thailand on an exchange when he was in university for a year. And he was in advertising. I was studying to be a TV newsman. And over about two years, every time we'd have beer, we'd talk about someday moving to Thailand and starting an upmarket travel company that would do trips for non-tour people. And I had a week to make up my mind on a job offer. And we were having the talk again. And I just said, you know what, we either bury this or we do it. And then we started to drink extremely quickly, had a shot of Jägermeister and said, we're leaving within three months. And we did. We left uh, two days shy of that on September 99 and slowly uh, built up a travel company from, from nothing. And over 13 years, we expanded to Thailand, Cambodia, little bit of Laos, Vietnam, Nepal, and we were hosting A-list actors, some rock stars and global business leaders by the end. And yeah, and you know, blink of an eye, your life's behind you. And uh, I sold out of that last March in 2013 and followed my wife here to uh, Malaysia, where I'm now working for a chamber of commerce, the Canadian Malaysia one. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, kind of my quick background. And you, you, you mentioned you're always a bit modest about your writing. And I remember thinking you're a pretty cool cat. But I mean, you've, you've worked on a lot of guidebooks. You're also a beer brewer. Um, you know, you can surf, you've lived in Hawaii. You're, I mean, you know, arguably, almost more people than many people I know, anyone I know in Southeast Asia. Well, yeah, I enjoy the social aspect of my work. Um, when I came over here from, from Hawaii, I was brewing beer in Hawaii and I had an accident. I cut my hand on a beer bottle. Mm -hmm. Um, people often, people often ask me like, how did you become a travel writer? And, and I tell them first, you need to cut your hand on a beer bottle. Um, right, right. just cause you know, you have to sever ties from the past. And I came to Thailand, not with that objective, but I came over here to, to Bangkok in 2001 and I taught for a couple of years, and it was actually a, a charity haunted house for orphan children that we established back in 2002 or three, I believe. Legendary. That is how I met you. Yeah. Yeah, we met. I, I met you at one of our Halloween parties that we did after the haunted house. That's for, right. For the I think I was wearing kids. a Canadian tuxedo. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> and uh, and we became friends you know, tangentially, I guess, for, for a while. But it wasn't until I was doing the National Geographic Thailand guidebook and I was looking for operators who supported responsible tourism practices right. that I featured the smiling albino in, in the book. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, I came and I did some work with you guys and yeah. you and I collaborated on a, on a podcast for smiling albino. Yeah, so in a way, we cut our teeth, so to speak, together way back then. And yeah, I remember going to a couple of your Halloween parties and um, I always say this to you, but you're you're the guy that I remember hearing everyone likes Trevor, and almost everyone does like Trevor. And you're you're a really well liked guy with a great background. And you did a leadership program in Hawaii, uh, I believe. What was that? 2011. Yeah, when I was in Cambodia working on the National Geographic Cambodia book, I met a Cambodian American guy who was doing this Asia Pacific leadership program at the East West Center in Honolulu. Right. And my family still lives in Honolulu, and I was doing a. MBA with the University of Hawaii in Ho Chi Minh City. So this was an opportunity, this this East West Center program to go back to Hawaii for six months and spend time with my family and get credit for my business school program. Mm. But also 
to, to educate myself a bit more about the challenges that the Asia Pacific region was was facing and, you know, again, expand my network. I, I enjoy meeting people from all these different countries. Yeah. And then you heard about my experiences and then you went ahead and, and you enrolled in the program the following year. Yeah, I, I followed your lead, so to speak, and took a, a, a break and lived over in Hawaii. I mean, that's certainly a good sell. It's not Fargo, North Dakota or something. You have to do it in and uh, it does bring good connections. In fact, I just had lunch today with uh, a nice girl from Indonesia who's in the current generation of the program. So um, I find, and I'm sure you find a few times a year now, you're either in a country and, and hook up with alumni or somebody's in town and you hook up with alumni. So I, I was really grateful that you kind of turned me on to that. And, and that was a pretty neat thing. You know, I, I told her about you and this friend of mine, this APLP person that was a guidebook writer, and right away her face kind of lights up. And I think anyone, when they hear someone's a travel writer, they're like, ooh, that must be great. You know, free hotel rooms, beach, all that fun, which I'm sure it is. But at the end of the day, it's a lot of work. I've seen you in action. It kind of makes me wonder, like, what inspires you to write and to keep going? Because it's not easy. No, I mean, I, I am passionate about traveling and uh, and the job is traveling and writing. Mm -hmm. But it's also a lot of planning and uh, keeping track of lots of disparate information. So I, I think passion for for the culture and and meeting people who are experts when i did the book about cambodia i got to interview all of the archaeologists that were reconstructing the temples and i met experts in right. bird watching and and even yourself like i value you as one of the expert people who i can rely on to give me interesting informations and insights because with smiling albino you help design and host tours of the temples to to see things in a different way that you know the average visitor wouldn't necessarily think about including myself so i think i'm passionate mm. about just learning cool new things and and networking with people like yourself and these archaeologists and and the students at the aplp program mm -hmm. who who are also passionate it's like it's like a shared passion almost yeah yeah, travel is a magical thing that way, you know, and it, uh, I feel extremely fortunate, not only that I got to spend 13 years in that business, but also being the owner and getting to spend time in northern Thailand and Cambodia and Nepal and, and literally blazing trails, like finding ways to get from A to B and creative ways to do it and trying to find the fun food around the, or along the way. And I've sort of since moving to Kuala Lumpur and getting out of that business, I sometimes look back on average days or all the times you met fun people or even hooking up with you and, you know, a crazy country like Cambodia. And, and that kind of became normal life. And you think, wow, I was I was really living a charmed life. I think I knew it and I appreciated it. But the cast of characters that I met in the last 13 years, as did you, it's it's incredible. When I go home, I think I have interesting friends at home, but not to sound egotistical, but their average year and experiences and people they met was nothing compared to the 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 array and the troop of people you're exposed to in a year over here in our business. Well, exactly. And that's one of the reasons we want to do this podcast, right? Because we talk to so many people that could provide so much insight. Uh, I'm sure this happens to you as well, but people from North America are coming to Southeast Asia for a holiday and they want to tell me like, oh my God, where's the best place to go? What's your favorite hotel? Blah, blah, blah. And and it's over. I mean, mm -hmm. this is, even though it's geographically small, there's so much to see and do. There's so many islands. There's so many oh. national parks. There's so many great restaurants, you know? And, uh, and, and 
I don't know all the ones that you know, and you don't know all the ones that, you know, whoever we might interview next knows. So it really is about the network and, and sharing tips and insights. And, and that's kind of the, the idea behind the show, I think. Yeah, it sure is about connections. And every, you know, second episode, we're going to try and bring in a, an expert. And one of them we're going to talk to is a Lonely Planet author, Chris Rothorn. He lives in Bangkok. He has for the last couple of years. And he's written Lonely Planet Kyoto for about 100 years. I think he's the Jedi of that. In addition, uh, I believe he's co-authored a few other books for them, but he operates trips and tours in Kyoto, in Hong Kong, and in Bangkok. And we are going to have him jump in with us and talk a bit about planning a high-value vacation. Now, we'll have to define what high-value criteria are, but that's one I'm looking forward to. That's going to be in a couple shows. And he's just... I think I met him in a park at Lumpini Park in Bangkok watching the symphony one day or something. So, you know, you never know when you're going to meet these guys. Sure. And we touched on talking about Angkor and Cambodia a little bit. And you and I have both been there many times. We've been there a few times together. And uh, we'll soon be doing a little one-on-one conversation to share some advice with our listeners about the best way to plan a trip to Angkor and the best way to experience the temples there if they're fortunate enough to get to go. Yeah, I was lucky enough to go about 10 times. And I think almost every time I probably, you know, relied on you for for some sort of information. And when we were trying to figure out what things we should cover in the first few episodes, this one was kind of a no brainer, just talking about kind of Angkor 101 and what is it and what does it mean? And how can you make it the best possible experience? So that's going to be a a good one. You know, travel, I'm going to put you on the spot here and ask you the kind of question that I hate people asking me when they, you know, show up in whatever town I'm in and say, Hey, our friend knows you. And, you know, can you give us some travel info? And they'd say, where's your favorite place? So I'm going to ask, not ask you quite that, but say, not your favorite, but what was one of your most memorable travel moments, period? You know, that's a tough call, but I, I, and I actually probably answer this question different every time, but I'm reminded of a trip last year that you and I made together to Cambodia when we went to Angkor Archaeological Park at like 4.30 in the morning and we went in that we went into the back door yep. of Angkor Wat Temple so that we could be up at the top in the uppermost chamber to watch the sunrise and it was just you and I. Yeah, that was absolutely incredible and something only someone like you that's written the book literally would know. And I remember we took a little remote, kind of like a tuk-tuk out in the dirt road in the dark. And uh, yeah, you knew the way to go. And we bribed the guard $5 to let us up to the top. But yeah, that is definitely one that sticks out with me in my mind. And another one, uh, probably about Ah, it's probably six years ago now. I cycled across uh, Tibet into Nepal with a whole bunch of friends from Lhasa to Everest Base Camp and onwards. And it's not one spot, but it was sort of, I think we did five or six passes that were over 5,000 meters. And those are generally about 20 kilometer climbs. And it's just stone. There's nothing growing. And the sky is crystal clear and a rich blue and oxygen's thin. And even now, all these years later, I'll, I'll think about it or look at a picture, and I'm like, "Whoa! I can't believe I was there." So that's that's one that definitely, definitely. Yeah, that sticks sounds out great. I'm just trying to imagine it, and I'm like, "How come Scott gets to do all these fun things?" And I, <laughs> you know what it is? I'm sorry. It's saying yes, and you're a, a yes sayer, and I am a yes sayer, and I think we both live and live and travel with uh, the philosophy that you might never get a chance again. There's probably never an ideal time to go. And if the opportunity strikes, like if you say no, I always kind of say no, acknowledging that I might never get the chance to do it again. And I try and grab the reins. And I think you do the same. I try to. 
And uh, there's another person who might live by that philosophy in his own kind of way. We're also going to have an upcoming episode talking to John Roberts, who's the director of Elephants at the Anantara. Yeah, he's awesome. And uh, he's going to be discussing with us the plight of Asia's elephants. Yeah, yeah. That's, he's, he's such a fascinating guy. I met him through a contact uh, from Nepal years ago because he first started working with elephants in Nepal for Tiger Tops, I believe. And then he was working for the Anantara in the Golden Triangle. And we put a lot of guests there. And now he's expanded his role from that. I know he's doing some uh, work with elephants in their uh, Yunnan property. And he was just doing some turtle releases in Phuket. But he's an absolutely fascinating guy. And that's like just another example of the kind of characters we're, we're going to get into on this show I'm, I'm looking real forward to it yeah it's going to be exciting so you want to tell anything else to our listeners before we sign off on our first episode yeah tune in again we're launching here with four episodes at once so you get lots of content to start after that every two weeks a new episode and be sure to read the show notes again when we do talk about books or places or things we'll put links to them up there i will sign off thank you for listening trevor take us out Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, join us again soon here. I guess we had a few episodes queued up, so we hope you enjoyed listening to Talk Travel Asia. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey, Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom and Camp